This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to the Power of Murmuration podcast, where we explore modern management and leadership practices, leadership as a state of mind, and co-create a leadership-focused future. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Emilia. And we are both leadership and management partners at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Hello, everybody. In today's murmuration, we're going to look at the differences and similarities between this thing called leadership and this thing called management. As a starter, I've looked in the English Dictionary. Where else would you go? The Oxford English Dictionary, which says that leadership is the action of leading a group of people or an organisation. In simple words, leadership is about taking risks and challenging the status quo. I then looked further and we have a dictionary here, the Oxford Language Dictionary, the management definition, the process of dealing with or controlling things or people. So I guess my summary is pretty much quite a simple one, that management is all about ensuring that what happened yesterday happens tomorrow and leadership is potentially a little bit more out there, a little bit more courageous and a little bit more potentially disruptive. What do you think to that, Amelia? So to me, it reinforces the points that management is about processes, practices, structures, and the functions of the organization, how they are controlled, how they are delivered. While leadership is all about mobilizing knowledge, mobilizing action, inspiring, motivating people to then operate in those structures, to deliver those tasks. So if management is about the what is being done in organizations, leadership will be all about how to mobilize people to get things done. No, I I agree with you, Emilia. It's it's about that that authentic, inspiring people to do things that they wouldn't ordinarily either do or even want to do. I think that harnessing of discretionary effort, the effort that we choose to bring, the ability to listen and take risks, to try new things, and if it doesn't work, creating that environment that says. Actually, let's see what bits did work, what elements that we could take forward and what elements we can say didn't work. Hmm. We could also say that managers, so the function of management would be to delegate responsibility and authority, while leadership would be to provide vision, direction, purpose. So in management, I think we like the word busy. You can get yourself busy every single day with tasks, procedures, things that need to happen, like you say, day in, day out. Why in leadership, it requires reflection. It requires forward looking. It requires openness to different perspectives and collaboration. So again, that focus on people is not about how you direct people's actions, but how you 
inspire those actions. I'm reminded, and I've got a little quote here from John Amici in his book called The Promises of Giants. It is, I think, about authenticity. And I absolutely love this little paragraph that really, I suppose, leapt out at me because it is about being human. It's not about being a robot. Throw out your cool card, he says, that card you keep in your hip pocket to prevent you from feeling or appearing foolish, flawed, irreverent, or even unabashedly joyful. It's an anchor on your ambition and you need to get rid of it which is not to say that you must be in a mode of absolute disclosure at all times, so don't flay yourself until you're naked and raw with emotion, but do be appropriate for the moment. Do be human. There's an ill-conceived ideal of the stoic leader robotically guiding the ship from behind an impenetrable wall. If they experience uncertainty or concern or happiness, you'd never know. They are superhuman. The problem is... The rest of us are not. And I love that. Really speaks for me to that, yes, we're going to, we're going to make mistakes in the effort to change, to go forward, to have that vision. We will make mistakes, but actually looking forward and being able to achieve something new and different. A bit like that original, the murmuration, the shapes that we can create. Hmm. Uh, it is, I think, all about moving whatever it is, the organization, the values, the mission of the organization, moving it forward. Yes, yeah, so it, it reminds me from our first conversation about when something doesn't go according to plan. So now I'm making this distinction that management is concerned with following procedures and policies, right? So you have a plan, you have your structure, you have your strategy, and you really, in management, you will be, right? He's so focusing on executing that. While leadership, I guess it leaves that space or gives that space an opportunity to follow the instinct. Where, as we mentioned in the murmuration, when you're sensing something is emerging, something is happening, or maybe something is not going exactly as you planned, you take responsibility, you take courage, take risk to follow that instinct, to create something new. A lot more than change, more than emergent future. We were talking earlier, Amelia, about the the mistake that created the post-it note. Yeah. Do you remember that conversation? Actually, I've, I've looked up a little bit more detail about it. So in 1968, would you believe, a gentleman, a researcher for 3M called Spencer Silver, he was tasked with developing a strong adhesive for the aerospace industry. Regrettably, the batch of adhesive that he cooked up or made was weak and actually was a failure. I'd love to have been a part of the conversations between the managers and the leaders. He thought that he had the gem of something, but he really struggled to find out what its application, who would want an adhesive that doesn't actually stick. It was then Seven, eight years later, 1974, when his colleague who'd been sitting next to him, Art Fry, his name was, wanted some kind of bookmarking for a hymn book in church. And he used Silver's adhesive and had the aha moment, the fact that you could remove it and it didn't leave a mark. It was completely traceless. So despite two failed launches of this new thing, which they called 
I think, something called Press and Peel, it still failed. And so we now arrive at 1979, where they think, okay, we're just going to give away free samples. And actually, 90% of businesses, after they received the free samples, reordered this thing called a post-it note. And nine years after its failure. So what really struck me is in those nine years, I wonder what the, the leaders would have been talking, what the managers would have been saying, how people struggled with this batch of adhesive that didn't stick. And today we have an amazing fact that 50 billion post-it notes are sold per year. So me, that's tremendous resilience as, as an idea. The fact that the person sitting next to Spencer Silver recognized it, had it in his back pocket, thought about it. And the, the learning from this is really three things, I think. The innovation that don't deal in absolutes just because the goal that you thought you wanted didn't work actually is, is did you produce something better than that? A bit like murmuration and peer collaboration. For me, this sense of management is more about you're managing a process and a team and a goal and a task, whereas leadership is, is bigger than that. And it's trying to join forces to collaborate, to create something fantastically spectacular. And I think you can tell when innovation is missing, simply in, in things like well, the, the mobile phone industry. When I first had a mobile phone, all it could do was make a call. And it, it made a very good call, but that's all it could do. Those companies, or a lot of those companies, have fallen by the wayside as innovators have come along and thought, what if we made it into a camera? What if we made it into an app store? What if we gave it the same power as a computer? What if we could allow people to take photos? It's an absolutely amazing thing. But those companies that didn't change, that didn't innovate, are the ones that are left behind. And I wonder, too, I wonder how many post-it note moments I might have missed. So Peter Senge's definition of leadership jumps at me, which is that leadership is the collective capacity to create something useful. And now I remember when we talked, Jennifer, about mobile phone companies. And now, for the listener, we are not going to advertise individual <laughs> mobile brands. But we observed that... Some brands were probably a decade ago, maybe longer. Some brands were really focused on perfecting the product and its functionality as it was back then. And other brands were more open to, as you said, Jennifer, to innovation, imagination, and creativity. And what they were focused on was engaging with the buyer, the client, to understand what they wanted from a smartphone, what would be useful in this new era, 21st century, new digitalized era. So it takes me to think about the culture of those organizations, that actually those companies that survived, that are leading mobile phone brands at the moment, they were really open to what could be. And I wonder what talk went in those organizations, what they were talking about, what they were concerning about. and whether we could say that leadership and cultures were closely tied. 
what was the leadership culture where, where they existed, which now takes me to the book that I read recently, Metaphors We Lead By, by Mats Alveson and Andrew Spicer, where they highlight that how people talk about leadership organizations really highlights the cultural patterns in those organizations. So, you know, if the organizations talk about innovation, inspiration, imagination, creativity, courage, taking risks and not seeing failures as failures, something to be scrapped, the poster not to be scrapped and put in a bid, but actually an opportunity for something new, something different, something useful, as Peter Senge says. Then some organizations, maybe if the talk is about the process, the product, the perfection, following the rules that are established and the criteria, if we follow the criteria that have been established for one thing and then something new emerges, but we still apply the old criteria, there isn't really space for innovation. There isn't really space for creativity. There isn't space for imagination to what could be. And also, what about the organizations where there is no talk about leadership? And I'm just going to put three dots here, dot, dot, dot. I agree, Amelia. I think what you're linking into, how do you measure culture? How do you measure the impact of leadership? I think that we need managers, really good managers and really good leaders. And if that can be the same person, that's brilliant. Usually people have a leaning, in my experience, to one or the other, the managers who feel safe and we do need them. We need the people who will manage our resources, will manage our budgets, will work on data to ensure that what happens yesterday happens tomorrow. We also need leaders. And I think sometimes it's easy to slip into the cocoon, as with the mobile phone people, that easier to slip into the cocoon of, well, it's a phone and it does what it's supposed to do on the tin. And I think that culture is set from the top that both persuasions, leaders and managers are needed and we celebrate good managers as well as good leaders. And I wonder whether we're witnessing a kind of paradox here where we say that the culture is set at the top of the organization, but who we're talking about is the top senior managers. But because of how leadership is viewed, this sexy, unattainable and something, everybody wants to have a pick. That talking organizations could be that if you are in a top position, then you are a leader. Whether you are displaying the acceptable behaviors, again, set in our organization by that culture or not. And the other thing that I wonder is that whether organizations create those problems for themselves by how they develop leadership capability. Because we know in our roles, in our daily conversations with our colleagues, peers, managers, um, other leader thinkers outside of our organization, is that the dominant paradigm in the leadership development sphere is actually that we develop is develop leaders. We concentrate on developing individuals, their skills, their capabilities. So the problem that I have with succession planning for example, is that we talk talent, but we concentrate again on people who progress through the ranks, maybe quite quickly, maybe they're quite outspoken. They show a capability in a given area. And then often we accelerate their growth, their progress, 
because we see them as the next hero, the next one to invest in, the next one to promote, the next one to look up to. But again, it's the organizations concentrate on developing individuals and their skills rather than leadership capability amongst the masses, amongst the levels, amongst the, the workforce in organizations. And with the post-pandemic era, I often hear people commenting on when we go back to normal, when we get back to how it was, the before times. And I was reading a book by David Little, very famous, one of my gurus, I think, he, in his latest book, Transformational Culture, he has said, you cannot build back better when your workforce is unhappy, unhealthy and disengaged. I think with the strikes, with the cost of living crisis, wars that we're experiencing, the small world that we live in, a lot of people, I touched on this before, a lot of people are feeling that lack of energy, that, that disengagement. And he goes on to say, when your rules and procedures fuel discord, dogma and division, when your managers lack the basic skills to handle even the simplest quarrels and disagreements, where diversity creates adversity, where your response to failure is to blame others and to create a culture of fear and retribution, and where inequity and unfairness is systemic. Creating a sustainable and high-performing organizational culture means that we must take urgent action to tackle thorny issues of... And then he gives a whole list, and I think profoundly this list is, is hugely important to all our organizations. We must tackle the thorny issues of mistrust, fairness, inequity, climate change, stakeholder value, employee engagement, digitalization, agile and flexible working, diversity, inclusion, the productivity gap, and our employees' mental and physical health. I think what he's trying to say here is we need to create a transformational culture. Cultures like the ones that hatched or gave birth to the post-it note and the new modern phones that will will almost do absolutely everything. That's what we need to do. I think both inside the NHS and outside the NHS, we're never going to be able to go backwards. You know, after the invention of the washing machine, no one suggested we should go back to washing our shirts in the local streams against the stove. We can't undo what's been done. So we now need to move forward. And that will take people who are enlightened, people who will look at failure and try and pick the opportunity, take the risks out of the failure and push it forward. Exciting times and scary times, Amelia. Yeah. And one you made me think of, Jennifer, is again, how to bring that management and leadership difference into the transforming of cultures. Because now I'm thinking kind of almost going back to the beginning of our conversation. Can managers transform cultures if we accept that management is set on following the established roots, protocols, or is it leadership when it's more open-minded, when it's more innovative, when it's more creative, when it's more courageous? I would personally say that we need leadership. So again, another question, what is transformational leadership or how do we, how do we develop transformative leaders? 
being mindful that actually those leaders will not be transforming protocols and they won't be transforming processes, but they will be transforming people. And how, how will those people want to be transformed by those individual leaders? I realize that this is a question without an answer for now, but it's something that would be really good to ponder on. For me, it's about encouraging our leaders and managers to harness, however they manage to do it, to harness the discretionary effort, the ideas and the energy and the enthusiasm, to listen, potentially to take risks, to act on them. Something was told to me a long time ago, Amelia, and I can't think who said it, but a good idea when heard cannot be unheard. So. I think when you think back to the dear old Spencer Silver and his post-it note and the, the requirement to build a strong adhesive and somehow he built the weakest adhesive around, he knew, and he has, has said many times, I knew there was something there, but it took nine years. So I would like to end this podcast by asking people, what is their post-it note moment? What have they done in the last nine years that they think, actually, that was a good idea. I'm going to resurrect it. I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to think imaginatively, creatively. I'm going to consider that failure to be an opportunity. Let's have a think collectively, collaboratively. And how they will awake, enable, and enact their leadership to get going. Yes. So let's talk about the next episode. Jennifer, we are very excited, aren't we? In our next episode, we are going to be talking to a published author, speaker, and then leadership guru. Jennifer, will you reveal more? Yes, indeed, Amelia. It is very exciting. We're going to welcome Neil Jurd into our conversation. He's been leading others or working in leadership development for most of his working life. He was an officer in the British Army and was commended for leadership as a junior officer. Since then, he's become one of the UK's top names in leadership development, working with the Leadership Trust Commonwealth Games team in Scotland and the NHS. So yes, we are very excited. Come and join us next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Power of Murmuration. As ever, we hope that this sparks your curiosity, encourages you to think differently and inspires your courage to act. Please join us again next month and goodbye till then. The team at the Gosh Learning Academy would love to get your feedback on the episode, as well as suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear. You can find a link to the feedback survey in the description for the episode. If you want to hear more about the work of the Gosh Learning Academy, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn or you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.